You're listening to Time in the Word. Deep down, the Galatians knew that they were justified by faith alone, for this is how they had come to Christ in the first place. To stop them from going back to the law, Paul made a personal appeal to their spiritual experience. This appeal came in a series of rapid rhetorical questions, four of them in all. First, a question about initiation, in which Paul took the Galatians back to the moment of their conversion. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Galatians 3.2 Second, a question about completion, or how the Christian makes it to the end of the Christian life. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Galatians 3.3 Third, a question about persecution, the cost of following a crucified Christ. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Galatians 3.4 And fourth, a question about miracles and their meaning for the Christian life. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Galatians 3.5 Essentially, all these questions boil down to a single issue. Does the Christian obtain the Holy Spirit by working the law or by hearing with faith? Once the Galatians were forced to admit that they had received the Holy Spirit by faith alone, the argument was over. This is why Paul said he wanted to ask them only one question. Grant him that the Spirit comes by faith alone and the whole matter is settled. In today's study, Dr. Gonzalez will conclude his exposition of Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Galatians chapter 3, again starting in verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? critical questions, that depending on how you answer those questions, you may yourself not only be proclaiming a different story, but believing a different story. Deep down, the Galatians knew that they had been justified by faith alone, for this is precisely how they had come to Christ in the first place. Now, in order for them to, uh, in order to stop them from going back to the law, Paul makes a personal appeal to their spiritual experience. And that's where these questions take us. And this appeal comes in a series of rapid rhetorical questions, four of them in all. Let's look at those four questions. There's a question about initiation in which Paul took the Galatians back to the moment of their conversion. And he says in verse 2, Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? A second question, there's a second question about completion or how the Christian 
makes it to the end of the Christian life. Look at verse 3. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? There's a third question about persecution, about the cost of following the crucified Christ. Look at verse 4. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed they were in vain? And then there's the final question about miracles and their meaning for the Christian life. Look at verse 5. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? When you think of the questions and the point Paul is trying to make here, essentially all of these questions boil down to a single issue. And here's the issue. Does the Christian obtain the Holy Spirit by working the law or by hearing with faith? The question is meant to be rhetorical, for the Galatians could not possibly deny their experience of the Holy Spirit. If there were Christians at all, or at all and Paul assumed that they were, they had received the Spirit when they came to Christ. And Paul's mention of the Spirit here is a reminder of God's triune being. There is one God who exists in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Each person of the Trinity is involved in the salvation of the sinner. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior. And now the Father and the Son send the Spirit to convert the sinner. So the Galatians knew something about the work of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead. For they had come, and here's the point, they had come under His regenerating influence. How? By the works of the law or by faith? They had received His gifts, such as teaching and prophecy. They were starting to display some of the uh, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and all the rest that are listed in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. The Holy Spirit even worked miracles among them, Paul says, as he often does when the gospel first penetrates a culture, something that we hear of even to the present day in foreign missions, in lands where the gospel has just begun to uh, make inroads. We know that the apostles casted out demons and they healed the sick. And having all these memorable experiences, the Galatians could never forget what the Holy Spirit had done in their churches. So he's pointing them back. How did it all start? They had, and the reason Paul is kind of doing this is because Paul knew that, that they had irrefutable evidence of his work and his presence in their own lives. So now Paul wanted to know the cause of this work of the Holy Spirit among the Galatians. You see, Paul recognized that the life-changing power of spiritual experience, he understood that people often make decisions based on their encounter with God. But he also understood that it is Christian doctrine, listen, it is Christian doctrine 
that explains experience and not the other way around. So he wanted to know how the Galatians had received the Holy Spirit. How did you receive the Holy Spirit? As you're attempting, as you are sharing with others the story, how are you telling them they are to be saved? So there were only two possibilities. There are still only two possibilities. The Spirit comes either by works of the law, religion, right, or by hearing with faith. And as we see back in chapter 5, the phrase works of the law refers to law-keeping in general, not simply to the Old Testament ceremonial law. So the, here are two principles that are set in opposition from each other. Law and faith. If the Spirit comes by the working of the law, then there is something that I must do to get the Spirit. Is that how you got the Spirit? What did you do if that's how you got the Spirit? There's another sense, of course, in which the Holy Spirit precedes faith. We would argue that faith itself is a gift. So, in that sense, we say that the Holy Spirit precedes faith, for it is the Holy Spirit who enables the sinner to believe in Christ in the first place. Who of you received Christ without the influencing of the Holy Spirit? Who of you understood the truth of the gospel without the Holy Spirit making it clear, understandable, without the Holy Spirit bringing about conviction and ultimately conversion? But the work of the Spirit does not come, become fully evident until the sinner actually believes, as the Galatians knew from their own experience. And what Paul is trying to get them to remember is that they did not have to do anything to get the Holy Spirit. In fact, they had received the Spirit long before the Judaizers had even come to tell them that they had to keep the law. So how does that work? We, I, had proclaimed the gospel to you. Remember we just saw in the first couple of verses, he publicly portrayed the crucified Christ. You received Christ by the hearing of faith. You were given the Holy Spirit. And then later on come the Judaizers. So Paul wants to remind them What's wrong with the picture you are being drawn now if you think about your own experience and how you came to faith in Christ long, below the, long belong, uh, before the Judaizers had even come? They simply trusted in what Christ had done on the cross and through the empty tomb. The Galatians, we received the Spirit when they, when we came to faith in Christ. As Paul puts it, they received the Spirit by believing what they heard. Think about that phrase. They believed, the implication is, is conversion, salvation, by what they heard. What are they hearing from us? And again, is the message important? I mean, think about what the whole issue is here. How am I, a sinner, reconciled to holy God? If the message isn't right, there's no reconciliation, there is no redemption, there is no justification. By believing what they heard, 
namely the law-free gospel of the crucified Christ. For the Christian, hearing is believing. Faith in Christ comes by hearing the gospel, and the Spirit comes along with the faith. Thus, the Spirit's work is not a reward. This is important because this goes to, to, towards the argument against what the, Galatia, the, the Judaizers are saying. The point Paul is making here is, thus the Spirit's work is not a reward based on a person's own spiritual achievement. It is a gift. The Spirit is a gift granted to those who believe in Christ's achievement. In case the Galatians had any doubt as to where the Spirit came from, Paul gave them a hint. Again, verse 2, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? No doubt Paul believed that the Galatians were Christians. And he knew that there was only one way they would be able to answer that question, by hearing with faith. Make sure that when you share the gospel with others, you know, as, as we engage in the ministry of evangelism, and we all should be involved in evangelism. Yes, there are those who are gifted as evangelists, but that doesn't excuse us from evangelizing. We are all ministers of reconciliation, says the scriptures. We are to point others to Christ. But we need to make sure that as we share the gospel with others, we are saying that the gift of the Holy Spirit is not something to be gained. It is something that is given. This is hinted again in verse 5 where Paul makes it clear that God is the one who generously supplies the Spirit. Not to those who observe the law but to those who believe the gospel of his Son. What Paul says here helps to clarify several important truths about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. The works, the gifts, the fruit of the Spirit belong to the very beginning of the Christian life. Thus the whole life is lived in the Spirit. So once the Galatians were forced to admit, and this is, you know, this is Paul's uh, 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 strategy. This is his means of bringing clarity to the issue. Once the Galatians were forced to admit that they had received the Holy Spirit by faith alone, the argument would be over. This is why Paul said he wanted to ask them these questions. Grant him, meaning the Galatians to Paul, grant him that the Spirit comes by faith alone and the whole matter is settled. This truth, that the Holy Spirit comes by faith alone, has incredibly profound implications for the Christian life. It means that the Christian life finishes exactly the same way it begun. The way into the Christian life is also the way on in the Christian life. Are you so foolish? Paul says, verse 3, after beginning with the Spirit. See, Paul wasn't even waiting for them to answer the question to see what he was going to say next. The assumption was that they would come to the same conclusion Paul is making about their initial experience. He knows they had begun by the Spirit, but he wants them to say that themselves. Having 
After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Or more literally, by the flesh? So Paul's question is this. For all of us, are we, are we, as those who have, by hearing with, with faith, been reconciled to God and have received the Spirit, are those of us who have been converted because of our belief and trust in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, are we trying to be perfected by our own sinful efforts? How do you believe you grow in the faith? Think about that for a moment. I think all of us would answer the question the way the Galatians would have answered the question. Indeed, by hearing with faith. Not by the works, but growth and maturity, conformance. How does that happen? Are you doing that by your own sinful efforts? Because that was the issue in part with what Paul was arguing here. The very suggestion that we would seek to be perfected by our own sinful efforts was absurd to Paul. But it is precisely what the Judaizers were telling the Galatians. And it is precisely what the false teachers and false prophets today are telling everybody. Again, there's not a shortage of church buildings in America. What there's a shortage of is sound doctrine within those church buildings in America. Many either don't proclaim the gospel at all, or they proclaim another gospel, which is no gospel at all. They said, they say, that faith was fine as far as it went, but justification was completed through works. John Stott summarizes their theology as follows, let me quote, he says, they did not deny that you must believe in Jesus for salvation, but they stressed that you must be circumcised and keep the law as well. In other words, you must, be, you must let Moses finish what Christ has begun. Or rather, you yourself must finish by your obedience to the law what Christ has begun. You must add your works to the work of Christ. You must finish Christ's unfinished work. You see how that is absurd in the mind of Paul? Oh, foolish Galatians! Paul understood that only God could complete what God has begun. And that the completion must come by faith rather than works. And that's why we say that just, you know, life ends just as it began for the Christian. It is always by faith. Everything is always by faith. Our justification is by faith. Our sanctification is by faith, not by the works of the law. My glorification is by faith. He said as much to the Philippians, using exactly the same word. Uh, he says in Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion or perfection at the day of Jesus Christ. Who began the good work in you? If you say it was him, then you must believe that he will also complete that good work. And if it is true that God is going to complete his work in us by faith, here's what Paul is in essence saying, it would be sheer folly to go back to the law. Why? The gospel of Christ crucified, if we paraphrase what Paul is saying, so completely ruled out the law as means of getting right with God that it is scarcely credible that people who had once embraced such a gospel should ever turn to the law 
for salvation. One of the reasons it would have been especially foolish for the Galatians to return to the law has to do with all the hardships that they had faced. Verse 4, did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Whether suffered refer to actual suffering, or whether it referred to spiritual experiences the Galatians had been through. The point is that the Holy Spirit had done a gracious, even a miraculous work uh, among them. But now Paul wondered whether it all had been in vain. He sincerely hoped not. In fact, the words at the end of verse 4, if indeed it was in vain, seem to seem almost hopeful. Perhaps all is not yet lost. Now here's what's interesting. When you, when you look at this passage, this section of, of, of Galatians, at first glance, these verses seem to be about sanctification rather than justification. Because he's talking about Christian living quite a bit in what he says, about experience from one point to a certain other point. Sanctification, we all know, is the process by which a sinner becomes more holy. And Christians usually think of sanctification as everything that happens after justification, which comes at the beginning of the Christian life. So their thinking goes something like this. I was justified by faith when I first came to Christ. Now that I'm justified, I must move on to my sanctification. Now, it is true enough that sanctification follows justification. But here's the issue. Justification never gets left behind. Why do I say that? Think about this for a moment. None of us as believers will ever stand before God on the basis of our own righteousness. We can stand before God only on the basis of the righteousness of Christ. We never leave justification behind. Once and forever, we are justified before God by the righteousness that we have received by faith. Yes, to be sure, hopefully, we are becoming holier. We are becoming more and more conformed to the image of Christ over time. Having been justified, we are now becoming sanctified. But here's the critical issue for Paul. Because again, remember, they're changing the gospel here, the Judaizers, by adding to the doctrine of justification by faith. Here's the point Paul is making. But we cannot use our obedience to establish our righteousness before God. So to put it another way, we cannot base our justification on our sanctification. Sanctification is not the process of me gaining something in the sense of meriting, which was the issue the Judaizers were introducing here. Never, never. We cannot base our justification on our sanctification from start to finish. The whole Christian life is by, faith, by grace through faith. The whole thing, a new life in Christ commences with faith continues by faith, and we will be completed through faith. Nothing changes, as the Judaizers were saying, or as the false teachers and false prophets teach today. Let me put it another way. The gospel is for Christians as much as it is for non-Christians. We never, as believers, advance beyond the good news of the cross and the empty tomb. There is nothing else to add to faith 
as the ground of our salvation because faith is what unites us to the person of Jesus Christ. Works have no part in establishing the basis of our salvation, but are added to faith as much in the same way as a building rests upon and rises from its foundation. Therefore, the Christian always looks back to the gospel and never to the law as the basis for his righteousness before God. Oh, foolish Galatians. These Jews who identified themselves as Christians had gone to Galatia to improve Paul's gospel. They, in essence, were telling the Galatians, I mean, think, think about, you know, turn on Christian television today. Turn on some of the Christian radio. Listen to some of the sermons that are found online. See if anything's really changed. They said that the doctrine of the Judaizers, and we would argue with false teachers today, they said that the doctrine of justification was just essentially an entry-level gospel. But if you as a Christian want to be promoted, you need, you need to add something to faith alone. And here's the issue for Paul. Wait a minute. You came into a saving relationship with Christ by grace, but now you're saying that you can only maintain that relationship by obedience? It's nothing more than self-justification. That's all it is. That's all it ever is. They wanted the Galatians to justify themselves before God and men by adding works to faith. What is our story? What is the story we have believed? I find it absolutely outright scary. When I talk to individuals who are religious, many believe in themselves to be Christians, yet who have clearly embraced a damning story. Again, pick the flavor, the color, the poison. It's all the same. They, to some extent, understand that what's at stake is their own soul. I, I, don't, I don't know that they always fully understand any of the complexities of that. Not always, I'm not always sure I truly understand what it is that they're, they think they're being saved from or of. But when it comes down to it, you ask them, why that story? Well, it's the story so-and-so told me. And he or she must know and never, never, never go beyond that point. Can you imagine at the day of judgment when many will come before the judgment of God convinced and God will say to countless people, I mean, think of the millions and millions and millions of people to whom God will say, depart from me. I never knew you, but I believe. What did you believe? I believe this. Why did you believe that? There will never be an excuse for the reason why we are not believers, but those who think they are before the judgment of God. You started by faith. If you didn't, you're not a Christian. You were justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. If, if there's anything that deviates from that formula, check yourself, as Paul would say, to see whether you're in the faith. If you started by faith, why are, now, why are you now trying to perfect yourself in your own sinful efforts by obedience or adherence to the law? There's nothing more frustrating for a Christian than to do that because it's unattainable. We started by faith, we go on by faith, we depart this scene and go to glory by faith. It is all by faith.